0: This is the High School Football America podcast for May the 6th, 2020. I'm Jeff Fisher. The High School Football America podcast is brought to you by GameStrat, America's premier sideline instant replay system with outstanding reliability and customer service and different plans priced right for every coach's budget. To get a demo, go to GameStrat.com or you can click on the GameStrat banner ad that's located on every page of High School Football America.com. Well, welcome to Rewind Wednesday here on the High School Football America podcast. And we are going to take you back to 2013 when the podcast was known as the High School Football America radio show. And boy, it was a fun show to do, as you'll hear me, uh, because we're going to play it in its entirety. As you're going to hear me say at the uh, Open, I love small ball, meaning small town high school football. And this was the favorite one that I've ever done. Again, back in 2013, we went to the states of Utah, Vermont, and Wyoming. And what we did there was we talked about Three schools, all of them state champs, and when you put all of the population together of those three communities of Duchesne, Utah, Cokeville, Wyoming, and Woodstock, Vermont, the grand total on the population, 5,300 people. Sit back and enjoy this. It was one of my favorites. We're talking about small ball, state championships. It doesn't get any better than that. Good evening, high school football fans. This is High School Football America for November the 14th. I'm Jeff Fisher, host of the show. I'm the founder of High School Football America and the editor-in-chief of High School Football America.com. Welcome to a big, big show about small, small towns when it comes to high school football, and am going to explain that in just a couple of seconds, but it's going to be a fun show for us tonight. Before we get everything kicked off, though, got to welcome in all of our partners that make it possible here, Kellogg's Frosted Flakes leading the way, Tony the Tiger reminding you parents out there you should always share what you love with who you love. Also brought to you tonight by the Debris Inhibitor Razor, Razor spelled R-A-Z-U-R, the TDI Razor at TDIRazor.com. 40% discount code available at HighSchoolFootballAmerica.com. Just go on there, and the code is there. So when you go to TDI Razor, and it's R-A-Z-U-R.com, that's when you can put in the code and get 40% off of your order. This product is awesome. If you're a football player and you hate those rubber crumbs from field turf get in your shoes, the Debris Inhibitor will take care of this. Fourteen ninety nine, but again, a 40% discount by going to HighSchoolFootballAmerica.com com and getting the code right underneath the TDI Razor ad. Also brought to you tonight by the Maxwell Football Club. Become a voting member. Vote on college football's Player of the Year, the Defensive Player of the Year, and the Pro Coach and Player of the Year. Just $35. Sign up at maxwellfootballclub.org, America's oldest football club. And we're brought to you tonight by Webleets, webleets.com. Go there and fill out your free student-athlete profile. Love the guys at webleets.com. Dot com. Well, as I said right at the top, it's a big, big, small, small show. <laughs> as we talk small ball here on High School Football America. And if you're new to the show, uh, you may not know about my love of small town high school football. If you're uh, a regular listener over the last uh, two plus years, you know that I love everything about small town football. The smaller, the better in a lot of cases. My alma mater, Wilson High School in Pennsylvania, still doesn't have lights. So I love the, uh, the whole, you know, Saturday sunshine football and whatnot. My smallest uh, town that I've ever been to with my uh, partner, Trish Hoffman, is uh, Miles, Iowa. The high school is no longer uh, open. It was uh, East Central High School in Miles, Iowa, just along the Mississippi River in East Iowa for 642 people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was tiny, tiny, tiny. It was so fun. It was so much fun. We had uh, butter, butterflied uh, brats and all kinds of cool food to eat there. There's actually a video up at HighSchoolFootballAmerica.com to learn about that eight-man game. But uh, we thought, why not tonight, with a lot of championships being played uh, this weekend in the smaller states like Wyoming, uh, Utah, Uh, South Dakota, North Dakota, of course, Alaska just uh, wrapped up several weeks ago. Vermont played its three championship games last week, and we thought, why not just focus on small-town football? And we found three Great communities with great coaches that have done some incredible things. And if you put all three of these together, and we're going to go to Vermont, Utah, and Wyoming tonight on the show, you will only get 5,300 people in the population of those three communities combined. We're going to go to uh, uh, Duchesne, Utah, talk with Jerry Cowan, the head coach at Duchesne, fifth longest active win streak in America right now forty five straight they've won three straight four a champion or one a championships in Utah, which is the smallest classification they're gone after number four. Uh, this weekend against uh, Rich, and we'll talk uh, with Jerry Cowan about that. So they've got about 1,600, 1,700 in their uh, population. We'll then go way up to 3,200 in uh, Woodstock, Vermont. Trish Hoffman, my partner, has been there in the past years ago. She said just a beautiful community, but uh, they've got 3,200. And the Wasps last week, the Woodstock Wasps, won their third straight uh, district or uh, Division three championship and they have won 31 straight. A little bit of controversy, and just uh, moments ago, the uh, Vermont Principals Association ruled uh, in favor of Woodstock. Uh, there had been a protest by Mill River, the team that they beat, 20-19, to in overtime. Uh, there was a controversial call at the end of the game, which allowed Woodstock to score its tying touchdown and then kick the extra point. Uh, Mill River said uh, they didn 't agree with that there were uh, there were cameras at the game it was uh, it was on television I, I looked at the video it 's hard to tell either way, but the bottom line is the Vermont Principals Association denied the appeal uh, twice once on Monday and then just moments ago uh, and uh, the reason I think they did it is first off, there are no rules for using um, video replay in in high school football so that was one of the major things there but uh, anyway with that all behind us, Ramsey Worrell, the head coach, in his first year winning his first ever state championship. But like I said, it's the third in a row. And he'll talk about his legendary coach, Coach Mack, who helped him uh, uh, keep the tradition alive uh, coming into 2013. So we'll be in Vermont. And then we go to the tiniest, tiniest of towns in Wyoming, Cokeville, 500 and change as far as the number of residents in that town. And they've done big things, no matter how small they are. As a matter of fact, I think they've almost won as many uh, gold medals and championship trophies as people in the town. They're going after number 21 and number 3 in four years in the uh, Class 1A Wyoming 11-man division. And uh, they will play this weekend for that championship against a team called Lusk, Lusk High School. And Todd Dayton, the legendary coach there at Cokeville, will talk about his program And everything that's gone on in Cokeville since he took over, oh, some 30 plus years ago. He is Wyoming's winningest all time coach. So a lot of great things on the show. We hope you enjoy it. I, we taped these earlier this week, and I just enjoyed the heck out of all three guys. So without further ado, time to break it up right now. When we come back, we're going to talk with Jerry Cowan of Duchesne High School in Utah. You're listening to High School Football America, and this is the Artist First Radio Network, a show brought to you by the TDI Razor. Learn more at TDI Razor, R-A-Z-U-R Football players, listen up going to tell you about a great new product and a new sponsor here at High School Football America. And if you're one of those players that when you're playing on field turf, those nasty pieces of rubber getting your shoes and just annoy the heck out of you, well, there's a product out there that's going to take care of that. It is innovative and it's American-made. It's called the Debris Inhibitor Razor, and the razor is spelled R-A-Z-U-R. The Debris Inhibitor Razor is a seamless outer sock that was specifically designed to keep Crumb rubber another fine debris from artificial or grass-playing fields out of the athlete's shoes and socks, thus keeping such debris also out of the gym bags and out of locker rooms. It's favorited by athletes who want that look of tape by trainers who no longer have time to tape only for show, and of course by moms who no longer want that crumb rubber in their house. The Debris Inhibitor Razor at TDIRazor.com is made of 70% nylon and 30% spandex material, making it extra lightweight and very durable. It's backed by a one-year performance guarantee, and like I said at the beginning... It is 100% American-made, and we love that at High School Football America. The debris inhibitor razor covers just the right amount of a player's shoe while keeping shoelaces tight. It is fully customizable via screen print or embroidery, machine washable, and most important, it's easy to get on and off. The Debris Inhibitor Razor is available in black, white, and pink, and other colors may be specially ordered. Sizes are available from the youth level right up to that big foot, the extra-large shoe at 14 to 17. Founded in 2010 by former University of Mississippi All-SEC player Carl Hoppy Langley III and three other partners, Southern Sport Inc. created the debris inhibitor to improve athletic performance by protecting athletes, allowing them to look and feel better with technically advanced product engineering with superior fabric construction, patented design, and its proven innovation. That is the Debris Inhibitor Razor, a new sponsor here at High School Football America. We highly recommend you check them out at TDIRazor.com. That's Razor spelled R-A-Z-U-R. When you contact them, mention you heard the ad on High School Football America. You'll be glad you did. this portion of high school football America brought to you by Kellogg's frosted flakes tony the tiger reminding all you dads out there when you sit down you share your love and passion of football with the kids, make sure you do it over a bowl of Frosted Flakes. Well, as I said at the top of the show, we are going small ball tonight. Uh, Along the way, we're going to make stops in Vermont, Wyoming, but the first stop is in Utah with a football program that has done very big things under head coach Jerry Cowan. He's the head coach of Duchesne High School. It's kind of northeast Utah. We're going to get a snapshot from him in a second, but just to kind of set the tone, going after a four-peat this weekend. They've won three straight Utah Class 1A championships. They have the fifth longest win streak in the country at 45, and this little town is doing big things, and Coach Cowan is here to talk about it with us. Welcome to the show, Coach. Thanks, Jeff, for having me. Well, we're we're very, very happy. I'm excited about this show because, as I explained to you uh, when we first talked, I, I love small-town football. There's nothing better. I think the smallest town I was in was about 628 people in Iowa with, with eight-man football. So uh, let's let's get everybody up to speed on Utah, Duchesne High School. Uh, I guess the census had you at about 1,600 back in 2010. But describe the town a little bit and how the fabric of football fits into it for you guys.
1: No, well, you know... I've been here since 2002. It's a it's a small, it's a farm town. It's, there's a lot of oil fields, so there's actually a pretty good, pretty good community as far as a lot of jobs and and the school itself. You know, I think there's about 60 kids a class. You know, we've had, you know, in the 40s and up to you know 60, the upper 60s. So it's it's uh, for most people that's a really small. You know, as far as for me, I think that's just the right size. We. <laughs> we uh, I think when I first came here, it was just a basketball town and and now it's you know I think the football's kind of made it a little more popular and and so far you know we've it's a good community there's a lot of tough kids and and the parents are real supportive and and uh you know the kids are hard workers, and it makes my job a lot easier.
0: <laughs> well, let's let's take people back to the uh, to the early days when you when you first started because you're actually on your second stint here and I I got an interesting question about what you did in between because I think you're the only football coach in America that that's ever had this experience but we'll save that for a couple of seconds here so take me back to those early days it's a basketball school as you said what are some of the things that you did as as Coach Cowan to make sure that you put uh, put things uh pointed toward football a little bit and began the foundation that is you know uh, uh, force going for four straight states. Championships.
1: Well, I think the biggest thing was the weight room. You know, I think that's for me as a player. When I grew up, that, that's what made me what I, you know, successful as a player. And I knew as a coach, you know, if I could get the kids to buy into to the weight room and you know get bigger, faster, stronger, you know, it'd give us an edge on some of these teams, teams that maybe don't take it as as uh, serious, you know. And it took a it took a good chunk of time to. Kind of engraved, engraved that into you know into their lifestyles and and uh, but it was well worth it you know I think at this point it's it's kind of a way of life here and kids know uh, you know year long we're lifting in the weight room and and it's a successful thing that we do and you know I think it I think it turns an average athlete into a better athlete and I think it turns a good athlete into a great athlete so I think that's been our biggest success as as far as you know. to to get to this point in the
0: weight room because we're focusing on small town tonight and and just last week i had one of the biggest schools in texas on the show uh from a coaching standpoint and and you played your college ball at at southern uh southern utah university you also you know had an opportunity with uh, the the baltimore ravens uh, according to one of the stories i read so you 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 understand that high level is is it different when you come to a small town like this a a smaller school i know you have good numbers but is there any different to the, the difference in the approach as a coach
1: Um, I think you got to be a little more open-minded about things, you know, and a lot of these kids, you know, they, they're farmers and there's times in the summer where they got to miss a practice because they're helping their dad and, you know, cutting the first crop of hay or, uh, you know, so some, some things I think are different, but as far as expectations, you know, I mean, I think those are the same and most of these kids are three sport athletes. So you got to kind of be, uh, you know, work with other, other programs and, and, uh, you know, but. As far as X's and O's and and the weight room and and being tough and and you know figuring out what it takes to be a good athlete, I think that's the same anywhere.
0: Talking in uh, Duchesne High School football in Utah tonight with head coach Jerry Callen on High School Football America. And it, it's things like that where you hear about uh, the harvesting of the hay that you don't necessarily get when you're talking about the top 25 teams in the country. We love it for that. Uh, I, I mentioned that uh, this is your second time around. You you came back in, in 2011 after a break, and I was reading this story, and I said, you know what? I, I don't think I've ever had a coach ever ever do this, so i got to ask the question. When you left the first time, you, you went to work in uranium mines. Now, that, that's, that's something difference. so tell me a little bit about uh leaving the first time and then the decision to come back uh, in 2011
1: yeah i left you know i think i taught five years the first stint and i you know we i keep seeing these kids graduate you know and they were going out in oil fields and no experience in college and making twice the money i was and i (laughs) kind of got a little little greedy i guess and so my my dad he, he him and a couple partners he has had a I have a business, you know, you're, you're any mining business, and he kind of talked me into, he didn't really talk me into it, I just made the decision to go make some money, and I kind of got greedy, and about the second day of doing it, I realized I made a mistake, and I ended up doing it for about two years, and, and uh, you know, made our way back to Dushane, and we, we moved out of town, it was a hours difference when we moved, and but as far as you any mining, it's a, it was a great job, and good people I worked around, it's just, it wasn't the kind of lifestyle that I wanted to live the rest of my life, so I got out of it when (laughs) I
0: G- gives you good perspective, something to tell kids about uh, when it comes to following dreams yeah. and whatnot. We're talking Duchesne Football out of Utah. They have the fifth longest win streak in the country. They're going after their fourth straight Utah 1A championship this weekend. And you, you come back in, in 2011, and, and and by golly, you, you haven't lost <laughs> since you came back. So obviously you came back with some new vim and vigor. Did you change things up a little bit when you came back uh, for the second go-round?
1: You no, know, Mike. My- well, my good friend, Billy Hoots, he, he took over the program when I left. He was an assistant under me. And when I came back, I just worked as an assistant under, under him actually for uh, the first year we won stayed out of that run. So I was an assistant to him uh, two of those years. And then last year I took over head coach. But I mean, nothing had changed. He'd he kept everything the same, you know, the offense, defense, and he kind of traded jobs again and, and he's a basketball coach and he kind of you know knew that i was the foot, you know, more of a football guy and and so you know it's a good thing about a small town a lot of you know uh, a lot of the kids when i came back I, i'd already knew them from you know junior high or you know I, our school here is seven seven eight nine ten eleven twelve so you know, I, i'm already scouting the seventh graders and eighth graders <laughs> and i could tell you everything about them so next year when they're in the program it's you know, it's just, uh, that's that's an advantage. You know, we get to know him at an early age and I think it, played a big
0: difference. I love to hear that when I went to school. I, I hate to mention this, but back in the uh, the early 70s, my high school was 7th through 12th grade, so you had to grow up in, in a real early <laughs> hurry, so I can appreciate that. We're talking to Shane High School Football tonight in Utah. Jerry Cowan is the head coach there. He's just had the team on an incredible run, as you're, you're hearing about. And uh, One of the things in, in preparing for this interview is uh, I, I read the uh, the Deseret News, and we always have Amy Donaldson on here to talk a lot about Utah in the past, uh, and, and I noticed you, uh, like you said, you one know, one of the things, you kept seeing kids graduate. Well, you you lost quite a bit of talent from last year, so so talk about some of the things that uh, you've done, and then we're going to get into some of the kids that are making a difference for the program heading into the championship game. But uh, how, how difficult was it to replace? Uh, what was I think, uh, in the report I read, it looked like you had maybe three returners on each side of the ball.
1: Yeah, you know, luckily a couple of those guys were like two skilled guys, a quarterback and a, and a tailbacks, And I think just with with the two of them and then you know, we had a couple of good kids coming up that filled in pretty good. It was our, kind of our line with our question mark coming into the season. We've had a few injuries, but for the most part, we've had, we've been pretty solid. You know, we, we had some young kids step up, two sophomores, and, and, you know, my first years in the program, we were starting sophomores all the time. And in the last three or four years, we've had maybe one sophomore over those years, you know, start a game. So it just kind of, comes to show how far the program's got, you know, gone, and and not having to rely on those young kids makes a big difference. Because, you know, whether you even one a ball that we're at, I mean, it's it's tough for a freshman or a sophomore to compete against some of the older kids. And and uh, but you know, we we've always had kids step up, and I, and I think we I think one of the things we try to do as coaches is, is get the most out of the kid, you know, every kid we can, just like any other coach. And you know I think our assistants and. and I think the coaching staff we have do a great job of that, getting you know, getting the most out of a kid and, and that's all you can ask for and then you, you know, from there you just accept the the outcome of a game or something, you know, anything like that. But just try to develop them as the best we can and, and so far, we've done a pretty good job of
0: doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> forty-five straight. I think that's pretty darn good. Jerry Cowan on the line with us tonight on High School Football America, D- Duchesne High School in Utah. Uh, the, both stints here, sixty-four and seventeen. Your overall record, and you mentioned uh, your your quarterback was coming back in, in in Trent Roberts. So let's let's talk about him, and then tell us some of the other kids that have made a difference for you this year on the offensive side of the ball, and then we'll flip the defense.
1: Well, Trent, you know he's he's a stud. He's He's a senior. He's our quarterback and free safety. He's about 200 pounds. He's about six one. I I think I, physically I'd put him up against any kid in the state. You know, for his size and you know speed. He's he's a great leader. He's I guess he, as a coach, you know, he's a. It's time to get out of class.
0: <laughs> it, a, I noticed that. That's cool, but I, yeah. I, it gave us a little, little, little bit of a break, and it shows that you're really out of school. <laughs>
2: yeah, but yeah, go yeah, ahead, keep really going.
1: Dope. Well, you know, Trent—he's—he's he's one of those kids that he—he likes—he likes football. You know, I mean, a lot of people say that about people that you know they like football, but this kid, you know, he wants to play college football. He—he—he he, he loves inflicting pain on the other, on the opponent. You know, he. It's almost kind of scary to say that he, you know, if he was to hurt a kid on the field, he would probably be glad, and that's not nothing you wish upon someone. Right. But he, he's out there, he treats it like a, a battle, and and uh, you know, he's very, very physical. A lot of big hits this year. and uh, as long as have a quarterback, he's, he's a, he can run, he can throw, he does a little. You know, he's just a great leader. He's a great kid. He's, he wants to be in the military. Uh, so he's got a, you know, goal of his, you know, his future. He he's always looking ahead, and you know, as a quarterback, I mean, that's kind of what you want as a guy that knows where he wants to be and and has goals, and you know, he leads our team, and he's he's a, uh, you know, I I think he's a great kid, and I think he's going to make a good college player too.
0: So tell us a little bit about the the the, the other guys on the offense. Uh, you, you had to rebuild the line, as you said. Uh, get some kids' names in there uh, to, to tell us about uh, what they've done to, to keep this streak alive and get you to another championship game.
1: You know, Matt and yours are another running back that's returned. He's a he's a, about 150 pounds soaking wet. You know, he, <laughs> he's the fastest guy in the field. No matter who we play, you know, and he's he's been kind of our offensive. You know, leader. When we need a big, I think he's had four or five uh, kick and punt returns for a touchdown this year. And so he's been a stud. And then Colin Moon, Colin Moon was actually one of our running backs last year, and we asked him to move to to the offensive line this year, and he he uh, said, as long as I can have number 69, I'll do that. And so we <laughs> <laughs> gave, gave him his number, and you know, he's been one of our probably our best offensive linemen. You know, and that's one. One one thing about wanting small-town football is you can take a kid that's a tough kid that's athletic, and even though he only weighs 160 pounds, he can be a, a pretty darn good offensive lineman at this level because, you know, a lot of the kids are going against are, you know under 200 pounds. You don't see a whole lot of 200-plus-pound defensive linemen at this level. So, you know, those three I think have been our kind of our biggest uh, contributors, and then we've had a lot of other guys that Right there, you know. I could go through the whole team, but it would be here all day.
0: <laughs> well, let's let's see if we can get some different names in on uh, on the defense. Uh, notice you guys are giving up uh, just a hair over ten points a game, three shutouts uh, along the way. So, tell me a little bit because defense wins championships, right, Coach? So, tell us a little bit about a couple of kids on that side of the ball.
1: Yeah, I'm a defensive guy, so I, I that's what I like to coach. You know, as far as I call him, I think it's our leading tackle, him and Roberts. Right there, I actually saw him this morning. I think Collins one tackle ahead of trend. He was pretty upset about it. So he's going to make sure he takes care of that this week. He spent on the last game, started to take the lead on the tackle. I think that's you know pretty neat that they're competing against each other. You know, there's nothing wrong with trying to lead the team in tackle. So, mm-hmm. so those two are tacklers. And then Matt Die, he's a, he's a he's our fullback. He's our B tackle. He's about 220. He's he's kind of a horse in the middle. He kind of you know, it, it seems we got him in shape. But kind of, he kind of took a few games to get in shape, but it's finally to where he can go. You know, most of these kids all go both ways. Of course, I mean, if you're if you're a good player, you're going to play offense and defense at this level. So he tried to, you know, try to give him some rest on defense because he uses a lot of that energy on, on offense at fullback. But uh, those two in the Braxton Spencer, he's our corner. He, uh, he actually made a lot of big plays this year. I think the one game against Rich High School, who who we actually played this week, you know, for the state championship, he uh, he took an Rich was running a little option to the right, and he kind of the it and he kind of stole it, he jumped in front of the kid, and took it about sixty yards, and that kind of gave us. We were actually losing at that point, and and so he's made a few big plays like that, kind of uh, things that we didn't really expect he he's uh, you know kind of honestly probably single-handedly won that game for us making that play so you know we've we've had a lot of in the last couple years we haven't had really a close game and this year we've had four or five games that that were actually you know one, one touchdown game
0: and there's the bell again.
1: <laughs> there's the bell. If you're, you're not in class. You're tardy at this point.
0: <laughs> and, and if you wanted to get off the interview, you could have been saved by the bell. But we'll keep going on. You mentioned uh, you mentioned that uh, you guys uh, had a tight one with Rich, and that's who you play in the one A championship game. You won back on October eleventh, twenty nineteen. You beat him in the, uh, the the title game last year, twenty eight nothing. So you know what it's like to to play once and then play twice. Uh, the second one being for all the marbles. So so as uh, take us inside what you're doing do you change things up or is uh Duchesne high school Duchesne high school no matter when where and how uh, you're you're playing a football game
1: well, that's a good question you know that's that's something you got to decide each week you know you can't change things up each week and you know i mean we've had our moments where we've done a little wrinkle here wrinkle there you know and this week you know it's kind of at that point right now where we've got to kind of decide the game plan in the next day, you know 24 hours and and there's some questions that we're still trying to decide on what we're going to do with this and that. But, you know, we'll, we'll keep it pretty much simple as far as we know everything about them. You know, they know everything about us. You know, so each team will make some minor adjustments. But I think at this point, you know, I, I've never believed in, you know, changing your offensive scheme for a team. I think they should change their defense for you. Mm-hmm. You know, but it, it's always good to have a couple – a couple little things, but I mean, it seems like when you start trying to put in new stuff the last week of the year, you just at this point, why? You know, we have there's a reason we're here. You know, we're gonna do what we do. If they stop it, then we'll shake their hand and tell them good job at the end of the game and, and live with it. But you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll try to make some minor things that aren't gonna cause a lot of confusion because you know, at this point, same thing. You know, confusion. I mean, you would hate to leave the game because mentally you weren't prepared and, and you're making mistakes that you should have never even put yourself in that situation, You know, trying to remember new plays or something. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, I, I think we'll stick with what we're doing for the most part.
0: If it ain't broken, don't fix it. Talking with uh, Jerry Cowan tonight from uh, Duchesne High School, and wrap up with the uh, the big question. Uh, y- y- and I always hesitate this because I've had a lot of streaks on the uh, on the air here in the past. But forty five straight—that's a significant number. As we mentioned, uh, you haven't lost since you came back last year. Um, how important is the streak, if at all? Obviously, championships mean something. You're going for four in a row, and it has shed a little bit of light on you because uh, you broke the state record and all that. So, so kind of put into work words what the streak means at this point without putting too much emphasis on the fact that you have 145 straight
1: well i mean i i think it's something you never set a goal on is to you know set a streak i mean this time last year we were just barely starting to realize we had a streak and you know i mean i think it's a it's it's great everything is great you know for the kids of the past i mean a a lot of the kids from last year and the year before teams and you know they, I'll keep it going because you know it reflects on them too. You know, so, but at the same time, I mean that was last year's team, year before's team, this year's team's 12 and 0. You know, we we've done a lot of good things. We, we've, uh, you know, it just happened to be we had a streak coming into this season and and you know and you know the kids talk about it a little bit, but they know the task at hand. They know the team we're getting ready to play. You know, they know what they're about. They're they're, you know, we've had. I believe every team we played this year and last year, I think we've, we've had their best, you know, because they've they've all wanted to, you know, be the team that, that you know, the, the beats us. And eventually it's going to happen. We know that. And we hope it's not this coming week. We hope it's not in the near time future, but it's going to happen. And, you and, know, and all we can do is treat each game the same and, and prepare the best we can and, and play as hard as we can and, and try to coach our butts off and play their butts off and, you know, then we'll accept the outcome, whether that's you know keeping the streak going or, or uh, you know hopefully this will be a bad time to lose because these kids, you know, a lot of these kids have never lost a varsity game. Mm-hmm. I mean, none of these kids have lost a varsity game, so I mean they don't know what it's like to lose. But you know, we've had JV teams, and you know these kids, these kids have lost games. They know they know losing. They've lost their whole lives here and there. I mean, none of them are perfect, and uh, so. There's a lot riding on it for both things. You know, the streak has really nothing to do with the fact that we have an open, you know, finger on our hand that could uh, take another ring. And, and that's our goal right now is to figure out which finger we're going to buy a ring for. And that's. <laughs> that's That's
0: our goal. That'll be a nice problem to have. Coach, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule on uh, Championship Week to introduce uh, Duchesne High School to uh, the listeners around America, and we wish you nothing but success this weekend. Okay, well, thanks for having me. Well, if you're just tuning in to High School Football America, we're small-balling it all night long. We just left the state of Utah, 1,600... and Duchesne, the fifth longest win streak active in America, and they're going after their fourth state championship, going for the gold this weekend. Now it's time to talk about a team that has just won gold in the uh, state of Vermont. Woodstock, Vermont is where we're going to, and I love the nickname, by the way, the Wasps. And uh, under the direction of Ramsey Warrell, their uh, first year head coach but longtime assistant, uh, they captured a 20 19 overtime victory over Mill River over the weekend to uh, grab their third straight. Division three championship. They're on a 31-game win streak, and Coach Worrell is on the phone right now to talk about his school and Vermont football. They only have 34 schools up there, but it's a big deal when anybody captures gold. Welcome to the show, Coach. Well,
2: thank you. Thanks
0: for being here. Well, we're, we're happy to have you here, and uh, before we got started here, you, you told me you're from Texas, so I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking that Texas and Vermont are the two... <laughs> (laughs) Of the high school football spectrum there, but let's uh, let's start with a snapshot of Woodstock, uh, Vermont. I think the uh, the Chamber of Commerce uh, website says you've got thirty two hundred residents, nine hundred in the village of Woodstock, and then there's some hamlets around side there. So tell us a little bit about the community and how high school football at Woodstock fits into the fabric of the community. Well, Woodstock,
2: you know, Woodstock's a a small um, tourist town. Uh, it's, It's and then we have a lot of, uh, we have about four or five different little communities around it. And, um, they all kind of converge into, uh, Woodstock high school. And, uh, the town as a whole has, has always been, uh, very supportive of the football program. Um, uh, Woodstock high school takes pride in, in all their sports. Uh, and they have, for such a small school, have a, a lot of diversity in sports. Um, so, uh, makes it even harder um, to generate athletes for for each program. but we have a, a great following. Uh, we have a great gridiron club, and um, you know people around here love love their sports. So um, it's a good for a small town. this is a great uh, football town.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. You're a, you're an alum of, uh, of of the community there, and let's uh, let's kind of walk back a little bit before we get to the championship. You were a long time assistant. I think I read uh, 17 years under your uh, legendary coach with 211 wins and nine titles, uh, Jim McLaughlin. And uh, just tell us a little bit about um, the transition for you, longtime assistant to head coach. How did you uh, how how did things break down for you and get ready for the 2013 season after uh, coach retired?
2: Well, one of the one of the important things was I you know I kept um, most of the staff together. Uh, we had one one staff member that went on to another school, but um, I have another assistant, uh, Zach Scott, who was also a member of the, the program as a player and has been coaching um, for about 15 years with us. So um, I kept him on, and that was really important. And then I brought on some other guys that. Um, one who had been a part of the program in the past, and another new, new person to the area. Um, so that that was important to keep to keep things moving along. And then you know the other thing was, um, Coach Mack um, did not leave the, the cupboard bare. Uh, he left uh, in a year where he knew he was leaving some kids. Uh, there were still some kids coming back that. Um, would help make that transition easier. And we had about 14 seniors come back this year, uh-huh. so uh, that made it uh, a much easier transition. <laughs>
0: I can imagine it did. We're talking with Ramsey Worrell tonight, uh, the head coach of the Woodstock Wasps in Woodstock, Vermont. They just claimed their third straight Division Three championship in Vermont. And, uh, and it, we got to make sure we get the name right both ways, because as we were talking before. In, in Texas, he's Worrell. In Vermont, he's Worrell. We may just call him Coach Ramsey at this point. But uh, uh, in addition to Coach Mack uh, retiring last year, so did your dad, Chuck. He was on the staff there. What was it like to, to coach with your dad uh, for several years? Several years
2: oh it was, it was great uh very few things you know i'm sure a lot of fathers and sons um can attest to this there's not that many things that you can say you did with your father uh for so many years and had success um, i was fortunate to play under him uh, when he was co- on the coaching staff and uh coach with him for you know, for all those years. So, um, and that's why they call me coach Ramsey. Cause when somebody says coach Worrell, they, you know, <laughs> even I look for him.
0: So, um,
2: so it, it was. It was a fun. Uh, it was a, a unique experience, and one that uh, I'll cherish for a long time.
0: What about taking over the tradition? Uh, how much pressure did you put on yourself, if any, to know that uh, you know nine titles since two thousand? That's that's a lot of uh, gold trophies there. How, how, how did you uh, how did you kind of talk yourself into? Let's not put too much pressure on myself.
2: Yeah, you know, I I didn't put a lot of pressure on myself in, in terms of winning. The pressure came in terms of. Uh, Living up to the standards that had been set here, on and off the field, it was more about the integrity of the program, uh, the way we carry ourselves on the field and off the field, um, that were important to me. So was, even though I didn't feel a lot of pressure with that, um, that that was the important thing to me—not not winning. Um, we like to we like to judge ourselves on the character of the kids uh, and the journey and the growth throughout the season uh, and in each individual kid so uh, and, and as a team. So, you know, I, I didn't really feel a lot of pressure. You know, this is really all I've known in football uh, in terms of our offense and our defense and, um, and the way we do things, and I believed in them. I believed in this in our, our, our format, and uh, it was my goal to continue that process.
0: Don't have to fix it if it's not broken, I guess, is the best way to look at it. Ramsey (laughs) Worrell. Ramsey Orrell is the head coach of the Woodstock Wasp. They won their uh, third straight Division Three championship in Vermont as we talk small ball here on High School Football America tonight. And before we, we dive into the championship game itself, which was a thriller in overtime, 2019 victory over Mill River, let's, uh, let's kind of give people, I, I had the opportunity to talk to the coach in Utah. I'm going to do the same thing in Wyoming coming up. Uh, not everybody knows about uh, these states as far as football. So give us a snapshot of uh, what it's like to play football in Vermont with 34 schools. What's the quality of of, of football uh, through your eyes?
2: I think the quality is good. Um, Like you said before, there's not a lot of teams. um, I think the great thing about football in Vermont is it gives every kid the opportunity to play. Um, I think when you start getting into the bigger states and the bigger schools, um, the pressure to... um, into um, to be good at that sport you, you need to dedicate a lot of time to it um, and in Vermont you can play football basketball baseball you can you can yeah, in the theater program you can do all sorts of stuff so you, you don't have to dedicate yourself to to that one sport mm-hmm. uh, this is a great place to play football you know growing up in Texas and knowing um, knowing what that football is all about and Friday night lights. Uh, all those things. Um, it was definitely a, an eye opener when I moved up here, but I've I've come to um, to love it. Uh, when fall comes around and you see the the leaf change, and you're going onto a football field and you're just surrounded by you know blues or oranges and reds and greens and yellows, and it's it's very picturesque. Um, I've I've come to really cherish the brisk cool ends of the season. Um, uh, I, I much prefer playing in the cold weather now than I do the warm <laughs> weather. Um, it's a great, it's a great experience up here,
0: and uh, yeah, i not. I'll tell you what, you're making me homesick kids. with all this talk of fall out here in Southern California. You don't, you don't get that leaf change, so you're making me homesick.
2: <laughs> oh, it's, it's beautiful.
0: And, and, you know, one of the other things, and, and, and I, I always say this, um, there's only a couple of schools in my uh, hometown area of eastern Pennsylvania, that including my alma mater, that doesn't have lights, so they play, I like to call it the, the, the sunshine of Saturday, uh, which in, in some ways is more special to me than Friday night lights. Vermont plays a lot of uh, Saturday afternoon football. Uh, how, how different is that, since you, you can com- compare and contrast with a Friday night light from Texas? Well,
2: you know, when we moved up here, you know, I was still, you know, I was 12 when we moved up here, and um, I didn't know what a sporting field looked like without lights. You know, every (laughs) field in (laughs) Texas has lights on it, and uh, so I was surprised to see that fields didn't have lights up here. Um, And uh, for a long time, and we have lights at Woodstock now, um, for a long time I was a component of lights because that's what I grew up with. Mm -hmm. Um, but now that we have them, I find myself cherishing the, the games and the teams that we play. I don't have them. Um, it's a different experience, and uh, um, I, and a small part of me misses it. Uh, yeah. But it, it's, playing on Saturdays is, is a lot of fun, yeah. especially in especially in late October when uh, we're in full bloom. And some of these fields are surrounded by nothing but trees, uh, so it's it's. It's very colorful and and, uh, I think it's a lot of fun for the kids. it's a different
0: experience, that's for sure. Yeah, no, and that's why we're doing the show to give uh, the listeners what goes on. High school football is uh, no different in Vermont than it is in Texas, in many ways. Getting the community all wrapped up. We're talking with uh, Ramsey Warrell, head coach at Woodstock in Vermont, and now uh, now to the championship. You guys won your third straight, an overtime thriller over uh, Mill River, twenty to nineteen over the weekend. It was your tenth for the school, tenth overall state championship. You win it in your first year, so you got to live up to your own self next year. But let's uh, let's talk about the game itself. Get some kids' names in here let's uh let's start first with the fact that uh you, you guys kind of cruised through the regular season uh beaten outscoring opponents by 33 points but you found yourself down 13 nothing take us into the the uh the, the huddle there and tell us what you're telling the kids about not giving up
2: well at halftime it was it was all about you know um you know the gut check time you know we we knew we were capable of moving the ball uh, we knew uh, what we wanted to do offensively and defensively um, was, was going to work. Uh, we had to change up a few things, but for the most part, it was just about getting and sticking on blocks and um, you know, having a, a will and a determination not to, not to give up. So um, we, we had been in games, you know, I was fortunate. i have been involved in a game like this my first year as an assistant coach. Uh, we had an overtime game all the way back in 1996 and uh, it was eerily similar. It was 14 nothing in the first half and then it was just grinded out um, will it to happen in the second half and it was 14 all at at the end of the game and uh, overtime field goal to win it. So I had visions of that um, having been in that situation before and I knew um, I knew I had a, a a mature group of kids. Uh, I knew um, I had a tough group of kids and I knew they were going to come out and and give it everything they had. And that's what we did. We just grinded it out, you know, four yards, three yards, five yards, whatever we could get. Um, And uh, we were able to uh, really step up the intensity on the defensive side of the ball and put some pressure on them and uh, give ourselves some good field position and some good opportunities to, to move the ball.
0: And we'll talk about the uh, game-winning kick in a second. But one interesting thing that happens in a, in a handful of states, especially the small states, is you, you, you face an opponent in the regular season, and there's pretty much a good chance that you're going to meet him again in the, in the championship game. And that was the case with, with you guys this year. You beat uh, Mill River in Week 5, 42-28, and then you have to go to overtime in this one. How difficult is it, and, and what do you change up, if anything, going into that second matchup?
2: Uh, We like to change up a few things, you know. We like to work on things all year that, um, that you know, if we don't have to use it, we don't use it, so that we can use it later on in the season. Um, And we went into this game with a few things that that we wanted to use that we they hadn't seen before. Um, And they're a well coached team, and and I was pretty confident they were going to try and do some things that they hadn't done before. Um, So it was. You know, other than that, we, there wasn't a lot. Uh, defensively, we did a lot of things that we hadn't done the first time. Um, but other than that, there wasn't a, a lot of changes.
0: Okay, so let's take us to the end of the game. You fought back. Uh, you go to overtime. Mill River scores. You block the extra point. You then score. It's tied at 19, and you've got a young man with not a whole lot of uh, football experience on the sidelines waiting to try and win you your third state championship. I understand you, you said something special to him to take the nerves away. Tell me a little bit about that.
2: That was Nikolai Davis, and he's a first year player. Um, He's, he moved here from Russia, and uh, he's more of a soccer player uh, coming from Russia than a football player. But uh, he had already missed uh, a PAT earlier in the game, um, and he was kind of walking the sidelines with his head down a little bit. So I knew it was on his mind, and um, you know I wanted to take it off of his mind as quickly as possible. Uh, when you, when you have somebody from from another country, um, who hasn't been in the in the States for that long, but, uh, you know, you start going through your head about things that you can talk to him about. Um, and, and my first thought was to, you know, ask him about his favorite teams or, or, you know, what was his favorite college team or NFL team, but it dawned on me that he may not have it. <laughs> so, so I went to, you know, something that I enjoy and that's food. And, uh, you know, I asked him what his favorite food was and uh, thinking his response was going to be uh, pizza or hamburgers or something like that. His response was potatoes. <laughs> and uh, and you know, so we had a conversation about potatoes and, and, and bacon, which is uh, something I like to eat. And uh, I just wanted to think about anything <laughs> other than uh, Kicking a game-winning
0: P.A.T. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's a great story. Well, Coach, congratulations on a very successful first year keeping the uh, tradition going on there at Woodstock, and we just appreciate you taking the time here to uh, to educate people about uh, small-town football around America, and I, I've enjoyed it. I, I think now i got to go look at some photographs of some some leaves changing so I get the feel of what I missed <laughs> this past fall. But congratulations, and thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you very much. It was a
0: pleasure. Well, the small ball show continues, and we're going to the smallest of them all, but not in the way of the way it has played football for a long time under head coach Todd Dayton. We're going to talk about Cokeville High School out of Wyoming here. He is in his 34th year of coaching them, and he has won 19. 19- titles and they will play for a 1a championship this saturday when they take on lusk and coach dayton is on the line here to talk about his tiny tiny town Uh, according to the 2010 census 523 people welcome to the show coach
2: Hey, glad to be here. Thanks.
0: Well, we're happy to have you here, and uh, I, I've said to uh, other people that we've had on the show tonight, small-town football just makes my heart beat. And The smallest I've ever been in to personally watch football was eight-man in Iowa with 642. So you guys are, are, are topping that or lowering that. I'm not quite sure which, but uh, give give people a thumbnail sketch of, of Cokeville, uh, where it's located. I know it's on the western border of Wyoming, and then tell me how football fits into the community there.
2: Well... Cokefield is, like you said, is located in the southwest corner of Wyoming. And uh, if you looked at our our town, our football field is in the middle of town. And uh, football is very important in Cokefield. Fans and community and our players. Football is number one, and uh, it's exciting. Can't,
0: we, uh, can't even imagine like it.
2: Football,
0: <laughs> well, can you take us back? Uh, you're, you're, you're the state's winningest coach, uh, c- closing in on 300 victories. I talked about the state titles. But take us back to the, uh, the, the 70s when you take over the program there. What, uh, what did you do in the 70s that's still living and breathing in 2013 when it comes to your football program?
2: Well, I grew up in Cokeville. So I, in 1980 is when I came back home. And uh, when we started our started, and the first thing I did was hire my best friend Keith <laughs> Nate as the assistant coach, and he's been with me all the way through, and he's still here. So we've got continuity. Uh, we've uh, had the support of our administration, and to be real honest with you, I'm the luckiest guy ever, because I get to work for Cokefield High School and and be around good, good people.
0: What's the quality of football in Wyoming?
2: Well, I think it's very good. You know, we don't have the numbers of other states, but uh, we make do with what we've got. I think that's probably the key ingredient. Uh, You know, we get out 25, 30 kids per season, and that's what we got, and we've got to make that work. And through a lot of hard work and effort, that's what happens. Uh, You know, we play in snow and rain and heat, and uh, it's football, right? If you wanted to it's basic football is what you get in in
0: Wyoming. Well, uh let's let's talk about heading into your championship game. You're playing for the 1A championship game in 11 man football in Wyoming. Uh you're going after another title. You've won 18 of them. Uh what have you learned through the first uh you know a large handful of championship games that you are you know putting into play this week as you prepare the kids for the for the game against Lusk?
2: Very simple. Remember what got you there. And we're not going to deviate from that.
0: if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Correct. <laughs> We're talking with Todd Dayton tonight. He is the head coach of Cokeville High School in a tiny town and on the west side of uh, Wyoming there. I was looking at the map. I guess the best way to describe it, I see kind of uh, Utah and, and, and Idaho coming together there. Let's uh, let's get some of the kids by name into uh, into the show here. Some of the kids that, uh, maybe the seniors, that have played a, a huge role. This is your third uh, championship game in, in four years. Tell us uh, some of the kids that, uh, that really should be noted for all this success because you do the X's and O's, but the kids have to execute.
2: That's right. We can make the best game plan in the world. If those kids don't get the job done, <laughs> we're not going to win. <laughs> uh, our seniors uh, have played just a very important role in our football program this year. Our two captains, uh, uh, Brock Tigert and uh, Jonathan Fiskus, just to to you couldn't have a better better kids to work with they they lead they lead us and uh brock is an offensive lineman and uh, jonathan's a defensive back uh they've just been been super all year uh we have uh i'm trying to think uh, uh Colder V. Wig, an offensive lineman, is a senior. Uh, he plays both ways, offense and defense, and we have quite a few of those kids that do that for us. Uh, we have Cody Nate, big defensive end, offensive tackle that, that's played very well. He's been hurt the last couple, three weeks, but uh, hoping we get him back this last, last ball game. And uh, 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 Braxton Delgado, he's kind of our uh, Feedback. Uh, you know, he he's just made big play after big play for us all year. <laughs> And those guys have kind of led us through this, this year to where we are now.
0: Well, let's talk about um, last year. And, and I mentioned uh, you're going for your third uh, straight title, or third title in four years. You were going for your third straight last year. You got tripped up in the, the semifinals. I'm, I'm sure that uh, there's always learning within losing. So uh, what, what did the, uh, the, the team learn in that uh, semifinal loss last year that has kind of helped you get back to the title game this year?
2: Well, like I told the kids at the beginning of the year, I wanted them to have a, a long memory. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very a game that we thought we should have won, and we didn't. We didn't play well. We didn't make plays when we when we needed to. And I wanted them to remember remember how it felt, remember what we didn't get accomplished, and uh, that's kind of led us all the way through this year. And we had the opportunity to play the same team this year in the semis and we were able to get the job done
0: that team being Southeast. Now, I read a, a story preparing for today's interview uh, in the, uh, the the Casper Star Tribune, and you got Lusk, and it, it looks like uh, it, it's a meeting of opposites uh, at this point. I, I, I couldn't believe this number when I read it. It said that Lusk is allowing only 78 yards per game, <laughs> an incredible 1.8 yards per play, so their defense is pretty darn good, only six touchdowns. Now, you, on the other hand, uh, putting up some good points, 43 points a game, uh, averaging 300 193 yards so what happens when opposite powers meet what's the what's the game plan going in well uh
2: they are big strong and, and fast and uh we're going to start chopping it chopping and chopping and chopping. hopefully we can get that old tree to tumble now uh, we're going to go at it and we're going to go take it right at him and you're going to keep pounding at him and uh hopefully we'll get some be able to to get a few big runs and then throw the ball when we want to, and and hopefully we're going to be able to do that.
0: Have, have you ever heard of a team? Uh, maybe it's not so unusual in Wyoming, but those are some stunning numbers. I mean, seventy-eight yards is all you're allowing. That's that's pretty impressive. Have you ever heard of anything that that big or no. small?
2: <laughs> and they haven't been scored on. I mean, <laughs> last week they had. I think they'd gone seven games without anybody scoring on them. Oh, wow. Pitching shutouts. So, you know, what a great challenge for us.
0: Yeah. you have got a
2: great defensive ball club coming in like that. And what a challenge for our kids. And we're going to take that challenge.
0: Talking with Todd Dayton tonight, he's the head coach of Cokeville here on High School Football America. Small ball, about 500 in the town. You, you mentioned your longtime assistant, but uh, we, got, we got some of the kids in there by name. It, it doesn't get done without your assistant. So uh, let's, let's talk about uh, your staff. How, how important are they when it comes to Panther football?
2: Oh they're the backbone of our of our football team and you know, they they've been with me forever you know like coach Nate's been here forever uh Brian Toomer our uh linebacker coach uh, I coached him when he was in the uh, I think it was like 80 84 85 and then he's come back and been on our staff and and uh, coach uh Marty Limford. He he came here about eighteen, twenty years ago, and and it's. Uh, I guess that's the key to our staff is just continuity, you know. I know they are great coaches, and I one thing that I do well, and that is I let them coach. <laughs>
0: That's what a smart coach always does there. Coach Todd Dayton on the line with us tonight on High School Football America. How far uh, you you play at the University of Wyoming the state championships? How far is uh, Laramie from uh, from Cokeville? 5 hours. 5 hours. So so do all 500 people make the trek?
2: Well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we will have a, we will have a, our fans our fans will be there in
0: full support. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Well, let's wrap up with this. You've been doing it a long time. I, I can I can hear the humbleness in your your voice. But uh, I've got to ask these questions. Uh, closing in on 300 victories, all the state championships. Uh, how how different is number one versus uh, number 19? You're going for this weekend.
2: To be very honest, I've have had haven't been able to sleep all week. I've been nervous. I don't think there is any difference and if there were that was when i need to get out but i'm excited <laughs> this is what we've been we've been working for all year and uh this this is what we're about this is what Cokeville football footballs about a state championships and uh uh i don't think there is a difference i'm I have a little more experienced now but uh you know, I don't think there is a
0: difference. <laughs> I love that 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 answer. And let's let's wrap up with this. When you when you hear the the numbers that uh, I said, you know, uh, coming up on three hundred victories, all the state titles, what uh, what comes to your mind? Do you, I, I know you you don't sound like a guy that's ready to reflect or retire at this point, but when you you kind of hear those numbers, what what goes through your mind?
2: Oh, I just think how blessed I've been. I've been able to get up every every morning and do what I love. What more can you ask? I've been surrounded by great people. Uh, My family, my wife, they support me 100%. And I just, every year we've got great kids that want to learn and want to get better. And and, then just great coaches. And, you know, if I had to say anything, it's just, man, have I been blessed.
0: Well that's well said and you just said something there and I I think I'd be remiss if I didn't have you answer this question since you you mentioned your wife and all that. Uh, most people don't realize uh, what it takes no matter what size uh, football program you're handling uh time-wise and all that. So uh, uh your wife hey, let, let let's let's give her a little prop here. How, how important has she been in your long career? Oh,
2: she holds it all together. You know, we've uh, we've got a family of five and uh, man she that's that's one good thing I did just when she when I asked her to marry me and, uh, and, the, and she said yes that's a, that was a good thing and uh, she's been by my side for a lot of years and uh, and uh, she knows when when it's time to get serious and she gives me my time and that's that's very important
0: what's the best advice she's given you as a football coach you haven't had a lot of losses you haven't had a lot of uh, things other than victories there but has she given you a nugget or two or she's like uh coach Dayton come on let's uh I'm, I'm not your wife anymore you need to do this is she giving you any of that good stuff oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well I'll tell you what
2: the one of the hardest things we did is when I started coaching my sons Uh. when you start sleeping with your one of your players mothers (laughs) it's a little different (laughs) uh, uh, she has she always has a lot of advice like you better win. <laughs> She's into winning, and I, and, I, and I am too.
0: Well, Coach, it's been a pleasure to get getting to know you here on the air tonight and, and uh, a little bit about your program. This is what makes uh, this show fun to me because, again, uh, everybody knows who's in the top 25 uh, for USA Today or Max Preps or whatever, but uh, to be able to shed light onto communities like yours where you can hear the kind of passion bubbling out of your voice is a lot of fun. So thank you very much for joining us, and, and best of luck on Saturday. All right, thank you. And later on that week, Cokeville picked up its third state championship in Wyoming in four years. What a great, great show. Hope you enjoyed our Rewind Wednesday all the way back to 2013. I want to remind everyone that we've done over 400 High School Football America radio shows and podcasts, and they're all free you don't have to pay a cent. They're all free there. We're all sitting around looking for things to do. How about a little high school football to take your mind off of COVID-19? So check it out at HighSchoolFootballAmerica.com. The High School Football America podcast is brought to you by GameStrat, America's premier sideline instant replay system with outstanding reliability and that oh-so-important customer service. And don't forget, they have different plans that are priced right for every coach's budget. To get a demo, go to GameStrat.com or you can click on the GameStrat banner ad that's located on every page of HighSchoolFootballAmerica.com. You've been listening to the High School Football America podcast, and I'm Jeff Fisher.